You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm so thrilled to be in the studio this evening uh, with a wonderful guest. She's a a local woman to the Philadelphia area, and she's going to be with me in just a moment. Her name is Carol Eggert, and Carol is the Senior Vice President for Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal and a retired U.S. Army Brigadier General. Um, We have a lot to chat about, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Be sure to stay with us as we go into our breaks to hear from our amazing watch team of on-air contributors talking about their latest news in their fields of health, finance, technology, leadership, and diversity. And to get in touch with any of our members, um, you can go to womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And please sign up for our newsletter so you can be in the loop on all things uh, related to the show. Our audience is continuing to grow, and we hope you'll stay connected with us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Women to Watch as well. We always have exciting news to share. So now I'm very honored and thrilled to welcome to the show Carol Eggert. Carol, thanks so much for being here. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's always a tremendous opportunity when we can share our stories, when all women can link together by our shared histories. I I so agree. And, you know, your story is remarkable to me for many reasons. Um, And as always, I want to kind of give the audience a sense of who you are and where you came from and what led you to go into the Army, um, become a general. Um, And the extensive work that you're doing for veterans today is really admirable. Um, So 
You grew up in Newark, Delaware. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. One of eight children. That's a big, big family. That's a big family. Wonderful family. Yeah. Tell me, and your dad was a World War II vet. Correct. My father's a World War II veteran, returned home um, like many veterans, and started his family. Did did Dad share stories with you when you were children about his experience or not? Well, let me suggest to all listeners to please collect those stories in their families of those who served. Yes, we knew Dad served. We saw his uniforms in the in the attic. But we didn't always get the inside stories. Uh, my father came home with a Bronze Star. Um, I recently discovered a suitcase with many of his correspondents. He had a lot of girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> But I didn't really know what he did in the Army. He would always downplay it. Oh, I was I was an adjutant, but you don't get a Bronze Star unless you're somewhere in combat. But So get those stories. Those stories are important. That legacy is important. Yes. So, yes, we knew service was important to my father and service in many ways, but didn't know the particulars. Yeah. Um, I have a quote here. You said, one of the challenges of growing up with eight children was finding your place. <laughs> I have two questions. Have you found your place today? And, you know, what were you kind of up against in in doing that? As a young girl, were you, um, did you have questions, aspirations, and you felt, you know, you you weren't able to share and ask because there were just too many kids? Well, I would say my my mother and my father, my mother was... um, also a professional woman and very supportive of all of us. I think it's just a matter of eight kids. How do you make yourself special? Everybody wants the attention of their parents. So Mm. you want to be a little bit different. There can't be much more different than joining the Army at 17. But then also that brought with it the GI Bill. And so that enabled me then to go on to college, which with eight children, that's not easy to fund college for eight children. So um, that was one reason I joined. But, no, I would say it's finding your place just really with eight kids, just um, trying to trying to be special, trying to be different. Um, we're all incredibly supportive and probably were then, but I was just much too young to recognize how to do that, how to maneuver within a family of eight folks. Right. Uh, you know, when I think of you at 17 joining the Army, and I, I was thinking back to myself at 17, that was the furthest thing from my mind um, to ever consider. So did you decide at 17 or was this something you had thought about prior to to being 17? I wish I could say I was so uh, forward thinking, but uh, to be honest, no, I heard there was a vacancy in the Women's Army Corps Band. I played the French horn in high school. It was a love of mine and wasn't really uh, ready to move right on into college at the University of Delaware, like all my brothers and sisters before me. And I thought, well, this might be a way to get the GI Bill and, and have some other options. Um, I don't think I would have thought of the Army had it not been an opening in the Women's Army Corps Band and a chance, um, no virtuoso, so a chance to continue to play the French horn yeah. and to buy one. They're expensive. So I was <laughs> able to go. buy joining. I was able to save up enough money to buy a French horn, and I continued to play. Okay. So my guess is you had a, a vision of what that would be like, that experience. <laughs> Once you got there, what surprised you the most? <laughs> well, let's start with I wore this beautiful new dress I bought. Uh, I had spectator pumps. Do you remember yes. spectator pumps? Yes, oh, of I was course. just so proud of those. I still love those. But we got off the uh, bus at midnight at Fort McClellan, Alabama, where basic training was, and started yelling at us and move here and move there and get your gear here. And I'm thinking, oh my 
dear, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> I certainly didn't need my spectator pumps. <laughs> you did not. You can't run in those, right? No, definitely not. Um, you know, I mentioned your dad being um, a World War II vet, and I'd love to know what I think our parents um, have mantras when we're growing up and, and, you know, they share their wisdom with us. What's something that your mom and dad instilled in you that has had an impact on who you are today as a leader? And I think it's both my mom and dad and my entire family. You know, I was so I'm I'm the third child from the bottom. So there were five older brothers and sisters, all of whom I admire. My brother served in Korea Uh, during the draft of Vietnam. He was sent to Korea. So I would say what my parents instilled is that you always be as much as you can be and not defined by society, but defined by yourself. What is it you love? What's your passion? Always learn. Always be good to other people. I love the saying in the in the uh, army, it's mission first, but people always. And that stuck with me. It's about the people. Let's let's be kind to people. You don't step over people. You might have goals and dreams of your own, but you bring people with you. Mm. Can you share any experiences that you may have had in the Army as a woman um, <laughs> that perhaps, you know, was not the, the way it should be? So I'm very proud that my career in the military uh, has seen the inc- tremendous changes that have occurred. So keep in mind, I started at 17 when the Army, all services, were segregated by gender. So it was the Women's Army Corps. They were separate from the Army. Um, Different promotion rates, different uh, professional opportunities. If you wanted to play in the band, the only band, which is why it was tough, was the Women's Army Corps band, whereas men could try out for different bands all throughout the world. Um, That I was there when we integrated in 1976, when it became the the full army. So lots of stories there, and I'll be glad to come back to that as soon as we can come back. Terrific. Um, So stay with us. I'm talking to Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military and Veterans Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Stay with us for Dawn's Ear of Nutrisystem for our Leadership Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. CEO Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO Watch. It's an age-old phrase, but one that still rings true today. Don't let the tail wag the dog. I first heard this early on in my career from one of my most trusted mentors in the magazine industry, John Klingle, and it's a phrase that I came to value even more as a CEO. Some may be wondering what I mean by don't let the tail wag the dog, and the answer is simple. Don't let process get in the way of innovation. Often there are two common reactions to new out-of-the-box thinking. The first is, we tried something similar and it didn't work. And the second is the litany of reasons why it can't be done, or what I dub as the but-no reaction. Your job as an innovator is to challenge those but-nos and change them into the hows, and to dissect why something may not have previously worked and learn why. Often the problem is in the execution of the concept rather than the concept itself. And that's why iterative testing is so important. I have also found it ironic that in a technologically adept world, often it is the systems themselves that can slow down progress because as one's thinking evolves, so must the system capabilities. As the systems play catch up, become the master of the workaround, especially for rapid beta testing of new ideas. 
There will always be a million reasons why something isn't feasible, but the short of it is there's always a solution to be had, and problems are easier to solve when you don't constrain your thinking to the current way of doing things. It's very important to give those in your organization, as leaders, permission to challenge the conventional mindset. Progress requires a willingness to re-engineer processes, break down procedures, and change the status quo. On any project, you're guaranteed to run into roadblocks, but it's important not to concede and accept them. Find ways around them and don't accept no for an answer. Thanks, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier, here for CEO Watch. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. If you're just tuning in, I'm having a wonderful conversation with Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President for Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast, NBC Universal, and a retired U.S. Army Brigadier General. That's a to me, that's an incredibly impressive title for a woman. Um, we're learning a little bit about, you know, your growing up years and, and why you decided to join the Army. And I had asked you just before the break about your experience as a woman. I think, you know, it might be an obvious question, but I'd love for you to finish what you were talking about. Well, the journey has been very extensive, and I'm proud of the military for the for the progress they've made when it comes to women in the military. As I said, it was segregated by gender. I was required to wear lipstick and hose at all times. We weren't oh issued gosh. weapons. Um, in wow. 1976, as we integrated with the total army, uh, that's when women took combat training. Um, I was often the the first woman in many of the units I was integrated into. But what you'll find is it was all about can you do your job. You didn't get pushback uh, about being a woman in that particular unit. If you if you could hold your own and do your job, I found the military to be very welcoming, and you really did join the team. Um, but the problem is, policy-wise, women couldn't serve in many different positions, but that has changed women now. And you know we have Army Rangers, we have SEAL, we have women in artillery, combat units. So just thrilled that that's changed. Now, as you know with me, women have always served in combat, even though perhaps we weren't by policy able to be in combat. But by supporting the combat units, women were uh, actually exposed to combat. And that's how I was injured in combat. Um, there's no longer this uh, um, front lines and rear. It's it's now a 360-degree battlefield, and anybody that's in a combat zone is in combat. Yeah. And that's how I was injured. Can you elaborate on that and tell me, you know, one of my questions for you, obviously, was did you were you in combat? And if so, t- talk about the the fear of that. How, where do you go mentally to overcome that fear? And obviously, if you you know had an injury, that was um, quite an experience for you. And I think anyone who deploys to a combat zone, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Djibouti, um, they're in combat. Now, you may not be the infantry that uh, are serving in specific 
combat positions, but you are in combat. And you ask, um, how does that how does that impact me? I think most people don't have fear. When you're there, you're doing your job, and you've been trained expertly. These these I'm so proud of the soldiers and sailors and airmen and coasties and marines. The training is incredible, and it just kicks in because it's automatic. So I never experienced fear, uh, anger. So our vehicle was attacked by rockets that were detonated from a far-off cell phone tower and were hidden in a roadside uh, guardrail. So as it was detonated, it came through the guardrail, split up. Our, our vehicle we were in was um, hit by over five. It split up, so it was five different attack points. Went right through the NRAP. Uh, people inside were injured. And, and it wasn't my team. It was, it was like a bus, if you can think of a combat bus. We were moving throughout, but outside of the wire. And just to see how those uh, service members jumped to their duty as soon as we were hit. We had a woman gunner who immediately took action. We had a medic on the on the um, in the MRAP. I was a senior leader. Everybody just did what they needed to do immediately. Mm. I didn't feel fear. I felt anger. Mm. I felt anger that somebody would do that from far off, and often they would do that and then ambush the vehicle after they after they cripple it and it can't move. There would be an ambush attack, and so no, I didn't feel fear. And even when we had incoming where we were, I didn't feel fear. I just felt like, oh, this is a pain in the neck. We got work to do. We don't have time for this. And I think that's pretty common. However, I do have some effects from that and I don't understand it. I'm not afraid, but now returning, you know, I had, I had a pretty serious head injury. Um, I had some muscular skeletal injuries, but you know, you think about TBI and you think about this PTSD thing and what, what many people are afraid of or misunderstand. Um, I have a hyper startle reflex. So if you bang something right now, I would jump. My adrenaline would start. It's not because I'm afraid, but something went on with my body that I carry with me now at all times. I might be, it's really can be quite embarrassing. I could be at a 21-gun salute giving remarks on Memorial Day, and I'll jump at every every firing of those salute weapons. And it's automatic, and that's common for many many veterans. So PTSD takes many different forms. Mm-hmm. And what many people don't understand is that anyone who faced trauma often has those lingering symptoms. Mm-hmm. And really, the military doesn't have it any more than the general population who suffered through trauma. But I think it's misunderstood. And it impacts hiring of military. Yes. Let's talk about that. Because, you know, so much of what you're doing at Comcast is is about giving these opportunities to people who are deserving. What would you say are the greatest misunderstandings or, or, or myths around um, the capabilities of veterans. Well, so uh, I'm really glad that that you said that. And I think one thing is they're not. We in the military don't think we're deserving. We certainly are deserving of a chance and a consideration. We're not deserving that someone has to give us a job. We have to be in. T- we have to be qualified for that. So it's the chance. I think many people aren't giving our veterans a chance to interview, a chance to be understood. Um, having our private sector HR professionals and our talent acquisition professionals take the time to learn about the military. So when you look at a military resume, you understand what they did. You know, as I said, I was a maintenance officer. Who would hire a maintenance officer? Unless you can explain that that means you commanded, you know, 400 people. You had to keep track of 
all of their HR needs, their training needs, their um, equipment needs. You have to keep accountability in a budget. But unless you understand what it means to be a battalion commander, you won't know what that is. Yeah. We're so gonna, misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, we're going to take another break. When, when we come back, I want to know what it is that um, your superiors saw in you that um, made them put you into leadership positions. Oh, all right. Stay Look with us for Dr. Marianne Ritchie from Jefferson Hospital for our Health Watch and Terry and Maggie for our Finance Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. It's time to work in the garden, but poison ivy can sneak up on you. Many people are sensitive to urosheol, the allergic oil found in poison ivy, poison oak, and poison sumac. Poison ivy affects people of all ethnicities, skin types, and most geographical areas in the U.S. As Girl Scouts, we learn leaves of three, let them be. But the plant can look different depending on the season, region, and climate. They start out green but can turn red or brown. Even dead plants can cause the rash, so wear thick vinyl gloves for yard work, not rubber. The rash can come if you touch any broken part of the plant, leaves, stems, roots, sap, or any objects that are contaminated, like your sneakers, clothing, garden tools, or even your pet's fur or nails. It's absorbed quickly, so gently wash the affected area with dish soap and hot water immediately. It can be inhaled if the poison plants are burned. Beware, this can cause a serious allergic reaction. Common signs, intense itching and redness of the skin. Then you see little bumps or even fluid-filled blisters, usually in a classic linear or streak-like pattern where you brush past a branch. Touching the blisters or fluid will not spread the rash. Symptoms, anywhere from four hours to 21 days later. A nice oatmeal bath or cool compresses will help. What makes it worse? Some antihistamine lotions, numbing medicines, or topical antibiotics like neomycin. See a doctor if the rash is severe, lots of swelling, if the rash oozes pus or looks infected, or lasts more than three weeks, it may not be poison ivy. You may need prednisone pills if the rash is extensive or if the rash is on face or genitals, which can cause severe swelling. So Divas, 1959, the song Poison Ivy by the Coasters told us, it's gonna take an ocean of calamine lotion, cause poison ivy, Lord, will make you itch. You better not touch. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch, Finance Watch. Hi, this is Terry, and this is Maggie, and we're from Fortis Wealth. A friend of mine, Terry, is leaving her job for a new employer. 
She asked what the options are that she should consider for her 401k. Well, one option is to keep the current plan, especially if she likes the investment options and the fees are low. She should continue to monitor the investment returns and changes to the plan or company. Another option is a rollover to an IRA, which can provide a more... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply a diverse choice of investments than those offered in a 401k. If done correctly, there will be no current tax impact. So how can she make sure of that? She should let the 401k administrator know that she wants a direct rollover, which means the funds will go straight to the IRA without her touching the funds. It's important that the check be not be made payable to her, which will trigger a mandatory 20% withholding for taxes. If the check is made payable to her, she has 60 days to get the funds into the IRA or the entire amount will be taxable. She will also have to replace the 20% with other funds, or that amount will be considered a distribution and subject to tax. Her new employer offers a 401k. Can't she just roll it there? She can, if the new employer's plan accepts rollovers. Well, what if she just closes the account and takes the money? That is another option, but it's rarely a good option. All of the tax advantages will be lost as she will pay taxes on the entire amount. If she's under age 59 and a half, there will also be a 10% penalty. So what other details should I let her know to be aware of? If she has a loan on her 401k, she'll need to discuss repayment options with the administrator before the rollover can even take place. Also keep in mind that loans are not available from an IRA. If she worked for a publicly traded company and her employer contributed shares of that stock to her account, there may be special tax treatment available. So this is a lot more complicated than either of us thought. Yes, it can be. If you're considering a 401k rollover, you may want to consult with a tax professional to make sure that you're making the decision that's best for your unique circumstances. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much again for being with us tonight. You're listening to Women to Watch, and I'm speaking to Carol Eggert, the Senior Vice President for Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Um, you know, I any woman that I interview that is in a position of leadership, they, they didn't just get there by chance. So I would want to know what you think it was about you during your time in the Army that your superiors saw in you that allowed you to move up the ranks. And, of course, we... Civilians, we don't know what those ranks are, but so maybe tell us what a brigadier general is and then what you think it is about your character that allowed that to happen. Well, thanks for asking that. And that's the one thing I was just saying. It's a lack of understanding when we talk about hiring military and understanding military ranks so that you don't suggest an entry-level position to a brigadier general. Um, so it goes from enlisted rank one up to enlisted rank nine across all the services, and then you have the commissioned ranks, uh, 
you have the commissioned ranks of 01 through 09, 09 being a four-star general. I'm an 07, which is a brigadier general, but I was an E7 as an enlisted person. Okay. No, I was an E6. That's right. And I went to officer candidate school. So E6, think of that as a middle manager. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then a brigadier general as a mid-level executive. Okay. Um, and then you have all your other ranks as commanders and leaders. So when you say, what did people see in me? Well, first of all, I would say to all women out there, it's not about what other people see in you. It's about what you see in yourself and what opportunities you recognize. We call it in the military situational analysis and situational awareness. You need to scan your environment and understand what you need to do to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe it's not all about moving up. It's about serving. Where can I give the most? I never said I want to be a brigadier general. I never said that. I said, I have more to give. That's why I went to officer candidate school. Um, I, I continued to go to school. I got my PhD at the age of 60, I think. I went back to school to get my PhD because I love learning. And I think lifelong learning is an important trait of all leaders. So see in yourself what you want to do. And I think servant leadership is an underlying principle, which is you you achieve ranks and positions to allow others. I love the quote, leaders don't necessarily do great things, but they enable others to do great things. And I think that's how we look at it. So always be prepared. If I'm talking to a bunch of women out there is always be prepared for the next thing. Don't wait until the opportunity comes to say, oh, darn, why didn't I get my master's or why didn't I read these books? Mm. Um, so be prepared ahead of time. And I would say that's what people saw in me. I was always looking for new opportunities to give. Yeah, but, but not to get but the great is such great advice because what you were saying was you're you were looking where can I better serve and what's the next best step for me mm-hmm. not to just do what people told you to do about moving up the ranks and if you say I want to be promoted I'll say I don't want to talk to you if you say I want I have more to give I have right. some talents here I think can help this organization that's way different than sitting down and saying I want to be promoted what's the next opportunity mm. that's not the story to come in and talk to a leader about it's I think I can give more here. Yeah. You know, you mentioned education. I want the listeners to understand you have a bachelor's degree in liberal studies, two masters in instructional design um, and strategic international studies, and a doctorate's degree um, in organizational leadership. Any more learning to be done for you? <laughs> I, I think, And I know you believe in this. I think for all of us, learning is a lot more than collecting degrees. It's reading new books. It's this, meeting new people, opening your eyes and doing things that you might not normally do, volunteering for a group, getting it. I hate that term comfort zone, but stepping outside of what feels easy. Yeah. Um, and always doing it, always looking for new experiences. Doesn't that make life so much more exciting as well? well right. And enriching. Yeah. I never want to be stagnant. My yeah. God, there's so many, so many so things ma- to learn. And people I love yeah. like you, Susan, I love the stories. <laughs> And we learn from women and men who share their stories yeah. because they enrich us and empower us. And And I had mentioned some great books, and one of them is The Wisdom of Oz. And that baseline of that is personal accountability. It's up to you 
to figure out what's next and where you're going to go and where you'll give. So I recommend The Wisdom of Oz. I think it's an incredible book. You brought me some books. I'll, I'll mention, yeah. So I was going to ask you which one, you know, would you, you probably have too many to recommend, but that's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Um, I wanted to go back for a minute, and you served for a 15-month combat tour in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom um, as Chief of Women's Initiatives Division. And um, tell me what what that was about. What did you do there? And have you seen some progress? So I worked with the U.S. Embassy and with Hillary Clinton was um, the Secretary of State at the time. And of course, you know, one of her premier principles was you will never empower a nation unless you empower the women and families. And so her directive with the embassy, working with the military troops that were on the ground, was to look for ways to empower Iraqi women, economically, socially, politically. And so I was the connector between the embassy and the military troops to how do we support these efforts. I worked with the, and you'll chuckle at this, I worked with the Iraqi Ministry of Women's Affairs, which had no budget, which, so it was what could they really do? They could do some things through us, but Mm -hmm. it was in name only, but I met the most amazing women trying to change so much. Mm -hmm. And I often chuckle because at the time, uh, the Iraqi uh, Congress was required to have, I think, 35% women in it. When we in America, what did we have back at that time? 14%, 7%. Um, but yet we were dictating to other countries how they must set up their uh, political um, structures. But worked very hard at that and supporting women. One of the most rewarding things I've done. Yeah. You know, we we forget how fortunate we are, though, as women to be here, the resources and opportunities. We definitely we do. Uh, Stay with us. We're going to take our last break. You're listening to Women to Watch. Stay with us for Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch and Hanadi Shahabuddin for Diversity. This is the Women to Watch, Diversity Watch, Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all. This is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. The findings of a social experimental study led by Stanley Milgram in 1963 from Yale University unveiled the disturbing truth about the capacity of ordinary people to follow orders of authoritative figure. Participants from diverse range of backgrounds were led to believe that they were assisting an unrelated experiment in which they had to administer electric shocks to a learner. The fake electric shocks gradually increased to levels that would have been fatal had they been real. A high proportion of the participants fully obeyed instructions despite hearing the learner's fake screams. Hard to believe, isn't it? Our disposition to follow orders puts us at risk of causing harm to others without questioning much the process. Trust the system, they say. What if the system is broken? Should we still trust it? The Quran openly warns blind followers that they will be regretting their decisions on the Day of Judgment. Chapter 33 in the Quran describes their justification, quote, They will say, Our Lord, we have obeyed our masters and leaders, but they led us astray, end quote. Another verse in chapter 74 elaborates further on that specific casual reasoning, quote, And we used to enter into vain discourse with those who entered into vain discourse, end quote. Thinking critically and staying woke is today's prophetic ethic. Staying true to who we are and standing up for what we believe in is a conscious choice that requires us to constantly question our leaders and their processes. It breaks my heart when I see people in the Middle East or right here in America follow their leaders blindly, causing further corruption and collective tribalism. 
I invite you today to examine what influenced your views of Muslims and question how you were told to behave towards Muslims. Is your perception based on conscious knowledge or passive one? Individual consciousness will lead to collective consciousness. Don't forget to connect with me on hanadispeaksout.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Mansa from Pathways Consulting Group. Recently, I went for a mammogram. Due to some challenges, I need another mammogram, ultrasound, and potentially a biopsy. Breast cancer runs in my family and attacks more women worldwide today than any other type of cancer, excluding cancers of the skin. In doing some research, I found that the cost for the 3D mammogram technology can range from $143 to $413, and if you require an ultrasound like I do, insurance may not cover it, and it could cost $250 out of pocket. Many foundations and organizations recognize the impact that breast cancer has on our nation and have formed different foundations to help women who may not have the means to receive breast cancer screenings. If you're interested in free breast cancer screenings, you can visit nationalbreastcancer.org or the American Breast Cancer Foundation at abcf.org to speak with a program specialist. But what about developing countries where this technology and trained radiologists are extremely limited? In those countries, 90% of women don't receive mammograms. The good news is researchers like the ones from Drexel University School of Biomedical Engineering, Science, and Health Systems have developed iBreast Exam, a handheld battery-operated tool to detect breast cancer without radiation. Results are provided within minutes through a mobile app. In countries like India, this device has brought down costs significantly. The cost is between $1 and $4 per exam, as opposed to $20 for a mammogram. Technologies such as eye breast exam will allow women around the world to get ahead of breast cancer through early diagnosis, which is critical. What are your insights on this topic? I'd like to know. Email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. I'm really feeling so grateful and honored um, to be talking to Carol Eggert. And um, I would love your take on how women owning their own stories will help us as a whole and a community move forward and, and give women the confidence and self-esteem that, that perhaps they're looking for. Thank, thank you for asking that. I, I kind of see that as one of my bylines is to own your story. I often speak to women veterans and tell them, almost command them, come forward, tell your story. And not to people that are very interested and want to hear it. We as women veterans can easily talk to one another. We as women pretty easily talk to one another. We have shared experiences. It's when we own our story with those who may not have the time or understand why it might be interesting or that it's important. Mm -hmm. So, 
to be able to share your background, your experiences. And I think about women. Picture male, um, you know, the guys, the guys in the, the hats, and they say they're a Vietnam vet. They got the pins. They're the coolest thing ever. They're proud. They bond together. But women veterans, do you ever see a woman veteran with a hat on that says, I'm a proud woman veteran, and I served in Iraqi freedom? So they don't get... When women don't acknowledge the military tradition and and their experiences, there's a loss of power mm. that men who share their stories freely share. But when you um, able yourself to call up those reserves of cha- of shared traditions, you have strength and you have a community that you can go to. So women... They'll talk to each other, but let's take our rightful place in the warrior ethos mm. and own our military experience and and be right up there with our brothers in arms. And more and more that's happening. And I yeah. think that applies to all women with stories. Be eager to hear someone's story um, and learn from them and then be eager and willing to share your own. And I think we'll make the world a better place and we'll bring younger women along with us. Mm. I think younger women need to understand our stories. Many of them are, are forgetting the challenges that came before them that have enabled so much of what they now freely enjoy. And I'll think of something as simple as lactation rooms. When I had an infant, I pumped on the floor of a latrine oh and gosh. threw the breast milk out because you would never put breast milk in the refrigerator because it would you know, turn people off or nobody wanted to see breast milk. Um, now we have lactation rooms and right. people can take time to go pump and they can talk about having babies. And what I love is that the men I work with talk about being family men and their children. So much of the time when I was coming through, you know, men didn't, women didn't talk about their children, much less men talking about some of the family obligations. Isn't that so silly oh, when you think about it, right? Well, we can't talk about the reality of the fact that we're mothers and fathers and but have we children. But now. But then yeah, it did the impact your, your career because, you know, the thought that if you're going to have babies, you're not going to work. Right. You'll um, lose focus. You'll lose focus. And all that's changed. So that's wonderful. So I would say own your place. Own your place in history. Own your place as a woman, as whatever um, affinity you feel, own your place. I meet many young LGBTQ folks who don't understand the history of the LGBTQ, don't know who Edith Windsor is or some of that long history. And so if we lose that, we lose a part of our voice. Mm. Okay, so with that, my guess is um, people that look at you and your resume and your profile and and what you've done have um, an an image of you. And I would love for you to own your own story and share two things, what you are most proud of and what has been the toughest part of, I'll say just because you've been in the Army and now you're in a different role, you know, leading the programs at Comcast, which we should talk about as well. But... um, Toughest part of, of your time served in the Army? Proudest moment and, and toughest part of it? Well, I'll answer your what are you most proud of. Um, and first of all, I think when you're an old as I am, uh, there's not one thing. It's so many mm-hmm. different things. We have a tapestry on our lives. And so the threads of pride are are great. And But one of them we often think of our most recent is what I've done at Comcast, the awareness I've brought to the private sector about the challenges of the military and the civilian military divide and how it impacts 
employment for military. So I think I've done a lot of giving back by creating the Comcast Employer School, by committing to hire 21,000 by 2021. But um, you're proud of so many things, but you ask what is maybe the hardest thing I've ever done, and we've all gone through challenges. But I think another thing that's been very difficult but I'm the most proud of is raising children with my husband of 37 years, raising children consciously, meaning you're always thinking about how do you do it the best way? How do you make these the strongest young people who can carry on the legacy of society? Mm. That is a hard job. <laughs> and we're never not thinking about them, and right? And you're never done. And I can be so proud. I mean, like you joked with me about yeah. I have three kids with jobs and benefits <laughs> who I'm very <laughs> proud of and are meeting their goals. Um, but I think perhaps um, what is the, the toughest thing? I think sometimes it's lonely at the time. It's lonely to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially for a woman leader where you don't necessarily, in the old days, you didn't have peers, you know, throughout the military as an, as an officer. You didn't, there weren't a lot of military women officers as mm-hmm. I was moving forward. Mm-hmm. But now that's all changed. So that was always somewhat of a challenge. Who did you talk to about, okay, how do I handle this? I found some wonderful male advocates. I recommend all women find advocates, not necessarily men, but pe- mentors are different. Mentors advise advocates promote. Mm. So advocates who will stand up for you and go in and say, I think this is the best person for the job. So one way to get around that kind of loneliness is to find great advocates. I had, during Desert Storm 1, I had just had my son. I was six weeks, five weeks post-birth, and we would have had to deploy. So women deployed back then after birth. And I had a commander who said, take her out of command. And I had a, a, a gentleman who stood up, a, a, a colonel who stood up and said, I won't unless you order me to. Wow. And had he not done that, imagine wow. how my career would have changed. Mm. That he stood up with, she'll do whatever she's asked to do. Although, luckily, they've all changed those policies and now women don't leave for a good six months or whatever after after birth. But back then, it was crazy. Yeah, we've come a long way. We've come a long way and we can be very proud of that. Yeah. Um, we just have a few minutes left. Let's talk about, you know, exactly what you're doing in this role at Comcast, some of the programs that people should be aware of. Well, at Comcast, I wasn't looking for a job when I retired from the military um, back at the beginning of 2015. But with Comcast, I found a purpose, and that purpose is to continue to serve the military community. So to build engagement strategies across Comcast, NBC, Universal to support the military community, not just hiring, but taking care of our customers, our military customers that move all the time. How do we make it easy for them to do that as a customer? Uh, To support our military community with our foundation dollars. Uh, to develop and retain our military hires. They're a little bit different. Um, Certainly they're not going to manage their career as they did in the military. So building awareness. But then I'm so proud that we've given back to the community through the employer school, through a partnership with SHRM, so that HR and TA professionals can get certified as understanding the military, basically be military ready. Mm. I've made it sort of my charge to lessen that civ mill divide because it became very obvious to me when I was out here. And Every civilian I meet, and I don't know what other term to use, um, wants to learn more. But now that we're an all-volunteer force, less than 1% serve, more and more we're separated. And it's it's 
due to the military staying behind the gates and the civilians being confident that we got a great military taking care of us, and we no longer meet in the middle. And I've worked very hard to make sure we all understand more about each other. Yeah, that's excellent. Maybe have some veterans, and maybe they do go into schools and talk to kids and tell them the truth. And they do, and that's wonderful that schools promote those programs. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Carol, thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to my sponsors and contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.